Hey, what's up, listener? Thanks for pressing play. On this episode of the Jock and Nerd Podcast, we are talking to the talented filmmaker whose credits include the documentaries Drew, the man behind the poster, and Floyd Norman, an animated life, writer-director Eric Sharkey making his second appearance on the show. Now, Eric's first feature film was not a documentary. It is a hilariously campy film called The Sexina Pop Star P.I., starring the late, great Adam West. Geek boner! Eric shares some great stories about making a low-budget movie, his love of cheesy movies, and what it was like to work with and direct Adam West. And hopefully, listener, we'll turn you on to a super fun indie movie you may have missed. All in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Thursday, July 6th, 2017. Check. Check one. What's up, what's up, listener? We're jockin' and nerdin' right here on the Jockin' Nerd Podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Imran. And my name is Rugberto. He's the rug boy. And he's the nerd. Hey, we're sans the jock for this one, but that's okay. We got rugs here. He's going to carry the weight. If you're a first-time listener, thanks for checking us out. We are a weekly show where we love to geek out about comic book and superhero-related things. We've given you geek news, reviews, and interviews every week. If you subscribe for free and rugs, we got a great interview uh, for this show. It's been a while. Anthony made that comment that it's been a while since we did an interview. And it's been a while since Anthony's been on an interview because he always seems to duck these somehow. Because it's, you know, he has to, like, do stuff. <laughs> He's got to do jock stuff. Actually, he went to see Spider-Man Homecoming. Geek uh, well, He's the, doing nerd stuff. He's but, doing you know. nerd stuff for the show. But we had a show, and we have a great interview with a buddy of mine. He, you've heard him on the show before. He was way back on episode 54. Filmmaker Eric Sharkey uh, joins us to to talk about Adam West and his first movie that Sharky made, Sexy in a Popstar P.I., where he cast Adam West. He got to direct Adam West because when Adam West passed, I was like, wait a minute. We know someone who's worked with Adam West. Let's get him on the show. And, uh, we, I, you know, I wanted to get him on to uh, talk about Floyd Norman a little bit and uh, get some behind the scenes stories with Adam West. And it was a, it was a really good interview we we're about to play for you. We've actually done like three of his movies, like uh, including this one. So we did his Floyd Norman documentary. We did Drew Struzan, which he did a great documentary for that. If you haven't seen both of those, they're amazing. And we're going to talk about Succeeda Pop Star P.I., which is like a B movie with Adam West and crazy shit about the music industry, crazy high school shit. And Imran saw the movie and he saw it was great. I watched it last night and I really enjoyed it. It's it's tongue in cheek. It's it's a movie that doesn't take itself seriously, but clearly they took making the movie seriously and it comes across. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I highly recommend it if you're into B movies. Uh, before we get to the interview, listener, I, I want to tell you, visit jockandnerd.com for all the ways to get our show. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Tune in, Player FM, YouTube, 
and on all the ways to get in touch with us. Uh, you'll find our Twitter, our Facebook, our fun Facebook group email. You can send us your voice. We will ch- play it on the show. Just visit jockinerd.com. And if you want to follow along a little bit, you'll find show notes at jockinerd.com slash 175 for this episode. And I have all the links to Eric's movies, which, uh, listen, you know me, I like to support the independent artist. Definitely check his stuff out. Show him some love. Uh, he'd appreciate it. We'd appreciate it. And he won't be sorry. These are great. He's done three great movies. And he's a cool guy. So that helps, too. He's not a dick. No, he's not a dick. He's a really cool guy. And you're going to hear from this cool guy right now. Let's get to it. The Jock and Ned Podcast. Eric Sharkey, what's up, man? Thanks for coming back on the show. How you been, buddy? I am good. Thank you for having me, Imran and Rugboy. <laughs> you finally get to meet Rugboy. I bet you're very excited. My whole life. I've only dreamed of meeting Rug Boy, so this is very exciting. I've, I've dreamed of meeting myself a lot of times, too. It's usually a disappointment. Every morning, it's a disappointment. Every morning in but the But you're Rug Boy. How can you be disappointed with being the one and only Rug Boy? He's got a good point, Rugs. He's got a good point. He does have a good point. I mean, the celebrity status is crazy. You should see. I walk down the street. Mob. Women are throwing their underwear at my face. Great. There's felty puppet sluts just throwing themselves at him. I hear you. For the loyal listener, this is actually the second time Eric's been on. You were on episode 54, Sharky. That was in November of 2015. That's right. I remember. We we had a nice chat about movies. We had a nice talk about movies, the old days, the old (laughs) gang back at Pratt Institute. Uh, but we Pratt Institute, yeah, yes, the best, the best. Uh, you've been to Pratt lately? I lived by Pratt for like twenty years. I lived in a uh, Fort Greene up until, jeez, maybe about four years ago. Um, so I, I spent a lot of time in the vicinity. I hung out with uh, Scott Weinstein. There you go. He's, he's been on the a show, fellow Pratt, uh, and he's been on the show. He was nice enough to uh, take me backstage at Saturday Night Live, where he worked. Because uh, he works on one of the best shows ever. That's what Scott Lucky does, bastard. man. Yeah, I know. For a long time now, going on like 20 years. Uh, so on episode 54, we really, listener, go back and listen. I'll put the link in the show notes. We talked about your Drew, the man behind the poster documentary. Amazing film. Everyone should check yeah, it out. Thank you. Yeah, it is excellent. Thank you. For anybody who's into art, or it's great to introduce people to Drew with this movie. Yes. Because then they just all of a sudden get this huge Drew Struzan boner. And they're like all and they realize like all this shit that they've already seen, like in their subconscious of his work. It's so crazy. That's been the coolest thing uh, about people seeing the Drew movie is that people know all those posters. I mean, people saw all those Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Back to the Future posters. I mean, he's done so many posters for so many blockbuster movies. It's it's crazy. But What's great about people seeing the movie is they never put a name yeah. to the the work. You know, they they were like, oh, there's this one guy named Drew Struzan who painted like all these posters I loved growing up. So it's it's great to see people just like really geeking out over his work and uh, and knowing more than just the art. Now they know the person who created all that incredible art. Yeah. It's a fantastic artist documentary, dude. You don't have no idea the amount of people I've turned on to this movie and they've come back and been like. Wow, thank you so much for that recommendation. I had no idea 
that this guy made all these posters. It's really good. And, you know, the thing that's crazy oh, I that. is that's just the tip of the iceberg. Drew Struzan is like one of a million artists that yeah. no one knows who the fuck they are, that we've all seen their work. And it's just crazy yeah. that all of these guys are kind of anonymous to a lot of people. Yeah, it, it, it's crazy. Like, it's within the industry, he's huge. I mean, I, I couldn't believe, like, when I when I reached out to Drew to, to do the documentary, I, he said yes in the, during, the, like, the first conversation, the first time I pitched it to him, which wow. was incredible. Yeah. But then, literally, like, I maybe three days later, he said, Oh, I talked to George Lucas. He wants to be in the movie. Can you shoot with him in a couple <laughs> <That's crazy>. weeks? <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, okay. I'm going to be filming with George Lucas in two weeks at, uh, at Lucasfilm. So all these people who like lined up that wanted to be in the movie, like Steven Spielberg and Guillermo del Toro, Harrison Michael Ford. Fox, like yeah. Harrison Ford and, 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 and yeah, Harrison Ford. It was so great because we got to introduce Drew and Harrison Ford on camera for the movie. And even though Drew had painted him like a million times between Han Solo and Indiana Jones, uh, it was the first time they had ever met in person because yeah. Drew actually does the body posing for all those. <laughs> I know it's a great posters. moment. Great moment. You have to see this movie. Like it's that's so the, awesome. the ultimate cosplay. Like I get to wear Indiana Jones clothes and pose like him. And then pay, like in that moment, you see that they are as giddy to meet each other. Uh, you know, and it, it's, it's a wonderful moment. So then Sharky, you follow that up with, and this is, we have yeah. to mention this, another amazing artist documentary, Floyd Norman, right. an animated life about the animation uh, legend Floyd Norman. First of all, we didn't get a chance yeah. to tell you how yeah. much we love this movie. It's an amazing, it's an amazing Thank work. You. Yeah. Well, I, I was really lucky. I worked with a really uh, talented filmmaker named Michael Fiore on it. We actually made the film together. And, uh, it was, again, it was one of those things where I met, uh, Floyd Norman at, uh, San Diego comic-con and we started talking and, you know, he, he literally said to me while we were talking, Oh, when I was working with Walt Disney on the jungle book and I just got <laughs> like, floored. What? I was like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was like, I never met a human being that ever said that to me that they'd worked with Walt Disney. And he had this incredible, you know, you guys know from interviewing him, he had this incredible long history in uh, animation, like working on everything, Disney classics and Hanna-Barbera and, and Pixar. And, and, it, and, you know, luckily after I'd met him and, and had like a dialogue with Floyd about doing the movie, I met Michael uh, Fiore and it was a super talented filmmaker and he was just coming off of a movie and we decided to team up and make this movie. And, uh, and it is a great thing because again, Floyd Norman's hands have been on everything. Yeah, I yeah. mean, he goes back to Sleeping Beauty. Just think about know? that. Yeah, the man's career spans from Sleeping Beauty to Pixar. He has worked <laughs> with Walt Disney and Steve Jobs. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it's, the other thing. It's, I, it's incredible. I got to thank you. Like, Rugboy, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to talk to Floyd Norman, listener, it was episode 138. I'll put a link to this in the show notes. The fact that you you guys hooked us up with the, the PR company and they're like, do you want to talk to Floyd? And I was like, oh, my yeah. God, that is a highlight still <laughs> of the like never what I thought starting this podcast. I would get to talk to a guy who did in-betweeners on Sleeping Beauty, the first black animator at Walt Disney. It was an amazing conversation. Yeah. And the movie, your movie is so good is that when I called him, his wife picked up and I was like, 
oh, I feel like I know you. Like, hi, how's it going? <laughs> like, you, you, they're great characters. They're great people. And I felt like I knew them. His wife is fantastic. And, and Floyd is just the nicest guy in the world. And, and what's incredible is these stories never end. Like, he, he, he constantly will tell me and Michael, like, because we have to, you know, we do all these screenings with him for the documentary and Q&As. And there's still stories he tells us where I'm like, oh, my God, like. Never-ending stories, you know. I mean, even when we were shooting the movie, one time we were at lunch, and then he casually brought up like, "Oh, did you know I did the the train for Soul Train?" We're like, "What?" That's like iconic, <laughs> That's right. you yeah. know. And it's just like, and it's like we got to put that in the movie. But it, it just, he it, it just keeps having these stories. You know, like we were doing a Q and A, and he's like, "Oh yeah, one time I had lunch with Rod Serling." You're like Whoa. the guy who created the Twilight Zone. <laughs> He's an interesting guy. He's super interesting. And like when I, we, were, we were interviewing yeah. him, I had to be on my best behavior. I tried not to say <laughs> cock too many times. I tried not to say any like, yeah. curse words. You know, I was like trying to be on my best behavior because I he deserves a lot of respect. Yes. And not that oh, you don't, yeah. too, Eric. But uh, no, but, no, I do not deserve anywhere near the respect <laughs> of a Disney legend. <laughs> That's for sure. Floyd worked with Walt Disney, which is crazy because. Yeah. He's a link to that history of now Walt Disney's, this, you know, to such a historical figure. But he remembers like when Walt Disney was in the room with him looking at his drawings yeah. for a movie. Yeah, you know? giving it's, him it's, giving him notes. There's not a lot of these guys left, are there? No, there there aren't. Uh, we were very lucky that Richard Sherman was in the film, too, who did, who did all the music for Mary Poppins. Oh, wow. He did music for The Jungle Book. And uh, he was he was kind enough to come to one of our screenings. But no, there's not many of these people left that could say I creatively worked with Walt Disney. And, and not only that, but Floyd worked with Hannah, Bar- Hannah Barbera, yeah, yeah. worked you know, on all the Scooby-Doo and Josie and the Pussycats. And he always, you know, whenever me and Michael hang with him, like he's always like making fun of that stuff. Like, oh, that was just cheesy Saturday <laughs> you know, morning stuff. And I'm like, but I love that stuff growing up, you know, it it meant so much to this whole, a whole other generation of kids, you know? I mean, obviously you followed Floyd around with the cameras and you were recording him. There must be shitloads of stuff that like, not even in the movie. That's great. Like, what do you do with that? Do you ever want to think about putting on, on YouTube or something or uh, making a channel or something? yeah, that's interesting because the same thing happened with the Drew documentary where the original cut for the Drew documentary is like three and a half hours. Oh, I'd watch that. Know? I'd watch that in a second. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, yeah. I, you have to be a hardcore nerd to enjoy that, though, because then it, it's it's I mean, it's like three and a half hours of, of poster art talk, you know. But I love I mean, listen, for me, I love it, too. But to get to a, you know, a general audience, you have to get this stuff down to like, you know, around 90 minutes and uh on the floyd movie you know michael edited the film and uh he and he did an incredible job and when we were working together you know on the editing you know the first cut same thing was like three hours and change and you and yet and you have to get it down to a tight story because like you know it's like one of those things when we were like do it when i did the drew movie you know i could I could sit through 45 minutes of Star Wars stuff, sure. or, you know, but, yeah. but the average person at some point would be like, can we move on? Yeah. You know, uh, but you know, you never know. I mean, with, in terms of the Floyd movie, um, my, it was made through, uh, Michael's company, Michael Fiore film. So, yes. 
you know, um, he has all that footage and, uh, you never know how, you know, what will happen there. The, there's a Blu-ray that's for sale. You can get that through Floyd Norman not to be like a, you know, a oh, plugging plug, plug away, plug but, away. And there's, but, is there bonus but, stuff on there? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's bonus feature stuff on there. So, um, it's definitely worth checking out. There's more of the animation lunch, which I love. It's like all these old Hanna-Barbera guys yeah. in the movie like swapping stories and stuff. But um, I mean, I definitely think there's a market for this, the, the director's cut of both of those movies. Like I would watch three hour versions of both of those movies. Well, even just like, oh, thanks, even man. just like little clips of his stories, like, you know, like a 10 minute clip here or 15 minute story where however long he spins his yarn for, you know, like you just let it, let it play out. And if he's got yeah, gold I mean, in there, you want to hear it, you know? Yeah, no, he, Floyd is incredible. He's, he's so outgoing. And, and, and you know, the, the, the interesting thing about doing documentaries is that, uh, you know, it's not scripted. So you're filming and people, you'll interview somebody that leads you to another interview or some event will pop up that you have to go and, and film. And, and so the story starts coming together as you're shooting it and and then as you shape it and and so there's no you don't go into it knowing what the movie is going right. to be exactly you kind of find it as as it as it happens you know and, and luckily with the floyd movie like i said i i, I worked with with a really talented uh creative partner on that michael fiore and, and we made a really good team on that movie no it's very great the animation transitions were great and like the historical activism stuff you put in there like the man went to the watts riots and took photos while there's a riot going around him unbelievable yeah yeah it, it, it's crazy i mean his 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 life i mean in terms of like how many historical things he's he's seen and, yeah. and been a part of i mean when he started working at disney it's it's, it's pre-civil rights you know yeah so <laughs> I mean, not only has he had this amazing career, but this career has happened through amazing parts of history. Yeah. Michael Fiore, you worked with him on the movie. You have any plans to work with him again, or is he you still in contact with him? Or how's that? How's that work? Uh, yeah, we still do stuff. Uh, we still, you know, we do um, a lot of uh, interviews for the for the movie. Still, we uh, there's still screenings of the movies that happen, and we do. Q and A's and, um, yeah, I was, I was just really lucky to partner up with, with somebody that, that talent and you never know, you know, we talk about stuff and, uh, and you never know, you know, I mean, getting a, a movie off the of ground is obviously hard, but, uh, but, uh, there's always something brewing. So we'll see. Oh, very cool. Uh, for, so listener, check out both of those movies, but why we have Eric here is to talk about his very first feature film. And it was not a documentary. <laughs> It was a scripted feature, complete opposite of your last two movies. And and, and, and and the reason why I want to talk about it is because we just lost a legend, the great Adam West, many people's first Batman, first live action on screen Batman for a long time, for lots of generations of people. And Sharky, in your first movie, you get Adam West to, to you cast Adam West. Uh, it, it's amazing. So I was like, Hey, I was like, hey, I know someone who's worked with Adam West. I would love to hear more stories in remembrance of Adam West because the guy deserves it. So the movie is Sexita Pop Star P.I. And, and you put that on 2007. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really silly, stupid movie. 
It's a lot of fun. Yeah. I watched it last night. You can find it. You can rent it on YouTube, Google Play, and Amazon Video. I rented it on Amazon Video. Uh, really, nice. really fun movie. Like, you could tell you guys are having fun in the movie. And we'll get into the movie a little bit. But Adam West plays the villain, a character called just yeah. the boss. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the uh, super villain of the film. He is the so the plot of the movie is about revolves around Sexina, a teen pop sensation, a Britney Spears parody, if you will. Uh, but she's yep. also a private detective uh, that fights evil <laughs> in the music industry. It's so much fun. There's boy bands, uh, and uh, th- yep. this uh, this the boss uh, kidnaps a scientist to build the ultimate boy band robot band. To take over the world. Yep. It's a great plot. Uh, and then there's a subplot of this nerdy girl who's uh, trying to get Sexina to come to high school. There's a lo- there's actually there's a lot of great things in this movie. But I, what I want to know is when you wrote this, when you wrote the part of the boss, did you have Adam West in mind from the beginning? I didn't. And, it, you know, I mean, I, I it's interesting because I love like really silly, stupid, like campy stuff. Like yeah. I'm a big fan of cheesy movies like i i actually really enjoy those sharknado movies that i sure, love like, they're fun like plan yeah i love like plan nine from outer space and i and i i love all this like really just fun cheesy stuff so i was like oh i want to make like a really silly campy b movie and so one of the things that i i always loved growing up was the adam west batman tv show of course because it was completely absurd i mean the show is ridiculous. And yet, if you're a little kid, you don't pick up on any of that. Like when you're a kid, you're just like, oh my God, I love watching Batman beat up the Joker and the, the Batmobile's awesome. And you get into it as a kid. And then when you start getting older, you go, this is so silly. You know what I mean? And I always loved Adam West's like delivery, that, that sort of cadence when he talks, that crazy way that he, that he delivers lines. And uh, when I wrote the script, uh, a lot of that was in my head. But, you know, I never actually thought I'd be able to get someone like Adam West. I mean, here's a guy who played Batman. He was already really popular on Family Guy at the time, too. You know, he's, he's like a pop culture icon. Yep. But, um, you know, sometimes it, it, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes when you just ask and yeah. see if you can get somebody, you actually get them, you know. So I remember it was, it was actually the producer of the film, Charles Ricciardi, who, who first brought up, he's like, oh, I know a director who worked with Adam West. Would, would you want to like, you know, I, I have his contact info. Would you want to reach out to Adam West for it? And I just remember being like, oh, my God, yes, 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 yes. Let's That's reach awesome. out to Adam West. That's like my freaking dream, you know. And, uh, and I never thought he would actually do it, but I was able to get set up, uh, on a, on a phone call with him, you know? Yeah. What was that uh, phone call like? This is good. (laughs) Well, it was crazy because you hear that voice. It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Because Adam West in real life talks like Adam. Yep. Yep. That's (laughs) pretty much his only delivery. Yeah, I mean, he might put it on a little bit more, obviously, for the camera, but it's not that different. Like, it's, he talks in that weird cadence yeah. in real life, you know? So, um, so I just remember, like, oh, my God, I'm on the phone with Adam West. And he had read the script, and he, and, and he, goes, he goes, 
I just have to, to ask you one question because I, I think it's really funny. He goes, but I have to know, is this intentionally supposed to be this stupid? <laughs> you know, like, is it intentionally supposed to be this funny? And I was like, yes, yes, it's supposed to be a big, dumb, absurd movie. And he was like, awesome. That's like my favorite thing to yeah. do is like absurd stuff, you know? And, uh, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so fantastic. And then, you know, when I got that signed contract, I was like, awesome. Wow. This is really this is really happening, you know, and, and the, the best thing is he does have that sense of humor. He yeah. loves the ridiculous stuff, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he, you know, he even talked to me about family guy, how much like he loves getting the scripts for family guy because, you know, he would just say the most outlandish yeah. stuff and it would make him and it would make him laugh, you know, it may, um, I, so, I have a question about that. Yes. When you sure. were shooting Adam West, did he go off script at all? Did he did he ad lib or what? What was that like? Yeah, actually, the, the one thing I realized that when we were shooting with him, when he was doing his dialogue, is that it, it, it really pointed out that my script was not good enough for him. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as in some of the stuff was really funny and was it was working really great, but it definitely needed to be punched up because yeah. I was like, Oh my God, I have Adam West. Who's got the craziest delivery in the world. And I don't have enough. I'm not, I don't have enough really funny stuff from to say, you know, like I had, I had a good amount of funny stuff. I mean, I knew he was coming in. And so I made sure to write stuff that he would be really silly and that he'd be good delivering. But I, when I realized he was there, I was realized I don't have enough funny stuff for you to say. Like I'm not, I'm not getting as much as I can get out of having Adam West here. So one of the greatest things about him was that he was totally willing to like collaborate with me on coming up with like ridiculous things. And so we would just start coming up with like crazy lines to say. And sometimes I would come up with a line and go, is this a little too, is this too stupid? And the ones that I thought were really too stupid were his favorite ones. You know, it was like the dumber, <laughs> The stuff the more he liked it, you know. That's great. And then uh yeah, and then he improvised a lot of stuff, which was great. Like the fact that he was willing to like come up with stuff too. And I remember there was one there was one line about the boy band where he's where it said like, Oh, teenage girls will love him. And I was like, Oh, I feel like that's not enough. You need to add yes. something else to that that's like absurd. And he said, How and it, it, I'll never forget, he goes, How about if I say Teenage girls and horny Catholic priests will love them. Yes. I was like, whoa. I, that's a great line. Wow. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was batting a thousand right there. I remember that line. I yeah. was like, whoa, that's a good line. Uh, but, it, you know, it makes a lot of sense why he would connect to this script. Because like you said, his delivery in Batman 66 is what carried that show. The fact that he yeah. would deliver these lines in earnest, this absurdity in these costumes, and you just bought it. And uh, I love how a lot of yeah. it, you don't you don't get to see him until the end of the movie. A lot of it, it reminds me, of, you do like the little Inspector Gadget claw thing where you see his, you just see yeah. his hand gesturing and you hear his voice. But even just hearing his voice, you're like, oh shit, that's Adam West. And it's so, it's such a great delivery, even in the voiceover. 
Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things about the movie was I was trying to also, like, kind of rip off uh, James Bond, how they'd always have this villain Blofeld. Yep, yep. Who would, like, you'd see him rubbing the cat and you'd see his head, but it was like, but you'd just hear this menacing voice. And so a lot of him in the movie is is, is, is this great voice stuff. And and luckily, he he has, you know, so much experience doing, like, voiceovers for, cause for animation. I mean, yeah. now he did do family guy, but he did fairly odd parents. He did like a million, he did a lot of animated stuff for Batman too, you know? And so in, it, you know, when, when, when you record voice stuff with him, I mean, that guy is such a pro in the delivery. And the crazy thing was, even though obviously he's older, uh, at the time when we, when we shot it, um, his voice sounded the same. Like if you closed your eyes and listened to him talk, it sounded exactly like the Batman show. Yeah. And, and you're totally right about what made him so great as Batman was that he would say the most absurd things, but deadpan yep. serious. Yep. Like he never played it up. He just delivered it like, no, this is, this is a hundred. I mean what I'm saying. This is serious business, which made it so funny. And, and that's why, like when we kept coming up with these lines that were just dumber and dumber i mean one one of the things we came up with together was like is that we 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 wanted to to pick one member of the boy band to be his favorite (laughs) originally like his yeah originally his character was like he loves boy bands which i thought was absurd in itself that this old man is like i love boy bands and their (laughs) music you know uh but but we thought like no we should go even farther and make this even even dumber where it's like no I should have a favorite who I fixate on and I get excited every time about that one guy so we pick Dustin this the cute the there. cute boy like, yeah <laughs> yeah the sensitive it's guy and so he's always commenting on and all that stuff we came up with you know together you know is you know, I was like, oh, I love that Dustin. We need more Dustin. You know? <laughs> Rugs, this band is, is hilarious. They're called Top That. There's Dustin, who's the, yeah. the quiet, shy, sensitive one. Then uh, there's the bad boy. What's his name? <laughs> oh, the ba- Anarchy Al? Well, there's the Anarchy Al, who's the punk rocker who just hates everybody. Then there's the white guy who wants to be black. He's got dreads on. His name is... Uh, <laughs> Was it G something? And he's like, yeah, G, G dog, G dog. And then there's, oh there's the bad boy, uh, like your, yeah. uh, Donnie Wahlberg type of bad boy. And they're all robots. Exactly. Uh, it's, it's so great. But you know, there's a lot of great commentary on the music industry also in this movie. Uh, I love, I mean this movie, like you made a really good B movie, but it's like an homage to B movies also. Yeah. That, that's, that's what it is. I mean, when I actually, when I was at Pratt, I interned at a company called Troma in New yeah. York that made uh, the Toxic Avenger movies and Class of Nukemai, and and uh, and, and I I've always loved their movies because they're just these sort of low budget, cheesy, really fun movies. But they they are aware of what they're making. Like it, it you know, they're they they know what their limitations are in in terms of budget. I mean, you know, Sexina, we made the whole movie for two hundred thirty thousand, wow. and we shot it Whoa. on we shot it on film. So yeah. it's not you know it's not shot on video. It's shot on actual film, which is really expensive. And so, um, you, you know, we you, you know what your limitations are. You're like, okay, this is there's no way we can make a movie that looks like a studio movie. You know, and so you got to embrace 
the, the shortcomings in the budget, you know? So like we embrace having like really cheesy looking robots, you know, yeah, like that, they're really it, old school looking. Like, it works. Like, they look it, like they're from a seventies movie. You it's know? so great. It works. The characters are great. Rugs. This movie has everything. It has a ninja assassins. Uh, there's a scene with a dildo. <laughs> Uh, there's oh. a, there's a guy in a bear suit mauling an assassin, but he's, it's like a furry bear yeah. suit. By the but... way, he's supposed to be an actual bear. We, we yes, just, we were like, let's have the fakest looking bear it's on an earth. Actual bear, but bear. it's like a guy, a furry in a bear, in a bear suit. <laughs> it sounds like the perfect, it sounds like the perfect storm of great elements. I mean, you got Adam West in there. Yes. The thing is like, you have yeah. Adam West in a movie where, you know, Batman was campy. This is a campy. It, it's tongue in cheek. You know, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's obviously aware of itself and you're throwing in all this great fun stuff and you're aware of your budget. You're aware of what it looks like. So, I mean, it sounds like, uh, I, I haven't got a chance to watch it yet, but I didn't know that we were, we were going to talk about it. So I'm going to watch it. If it's I a fun, know. I mean, it's like, a, oh yeah, it's a fun party movie to like watch with a bunch of people. Like it's, you could tell that you guys are having fun making the movie, watching it. You know, I got that. Uh, yeah. Sharky's in the movie in a great role too. <laughs> oh, you're in the movie. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I yeah, I, I gave myself a scene because we didn't have an actor for that day. <laughs> so I just I play like a, a, a informant. I got an eye patch on. It's like so cheesy. That's one of the yeah. funny. That's a funny bit. Like that bit, I laughed out loud. There's a couple of bits that have me laughing pretty good. Oh. Thanks, Ben. Uh, but uh, before we get back to Ed West, I got to tell you the one of the best things. The first of all, the girl who plays Vera. There's a nerdy girl who's being harassed by these yeah. these popular fucking high school bitches, right? And one of them dates the football yeah. player, and Vera, the nerdy girl, has a crush on the. She was actually really good. She was really funny. But the best thing is, all nerds need to watch this because you can relate. Is this nerdy girl fucking takes gets the the boy the football boyfriend and literally beats the shit out of the the high school popular girl who's just a fucking bitch. And it's like such a great moment. I was like, yes, kick her ass. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where she really gets beat down. Like she's getting kneed in the face and bloody. I wanted it to be like raw for the nerds revenge. Cause I, I didn't want it to be like, Oh, she has the upper hand by believing in herself and turning the other cheek or like, or like sometimes in movies, they'll be like the one punch and right. then you knock them out. I was like, no, let's drag this out. This, she's was, been, this is a beating. She's been like made fun of by this mean girl through the whole movie. Let's just have this mean girl. Just get yes. Great, great. Absolutely. Yeah. Great nerds revenge. You're right. It's not a one punch. It is a legit beatdown, like street fight <laughs> style. And it's fantastic. Thanks, man. I also read on IMDb that, that the, the suit he wears came from, his costume came from his own wardrobe. How did that happen? Yes, yes. Uh, we we called. I mean, we had a great uh, wardrobe person on the movie. It's funny. It was her first movie, or I gotta give her a shout. Her name's Kayla Wall. It was her first movie, and then she went on to become uh, John Stewart's uh, wardrobe person. Whoa, then she cool. did John Oliver. She's doing oh, now. Wow. The, she's the wardrobe person for. Uh, the new show. Who's the guy who played the King of Queens? His new oh, show. Oh, uh, the I Kevin Kevin James. Kevin can wait. Kevin James. She's doing. She's yeah. So she does the wardrobe for that. But this was her first movie, and she created Sexina's outfit and stuff. And 
So we called Adam West and we, we, you know, we were talking about what to do wardrobe wise. And he goes, Oh no, I, I have a great take on this character. I, I have my own, I have my own clothes that I think will be perfect. You know? And I was like, Oh my God, he personally <laughs> saving me money yeah. because he's like, okay, you're going to bring your own wardrobe. This is fantastic. Were you, you know? hoping he was going to show up in the Batman costume? Oh my God. That would have been great. <laughs> I know. Right. <laughs> he showed up in the cows. Like I only play Batman and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Well, maybe just had the maybe just had the the utility belt on just 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 that That's the belt exactly. and the cape yeah. But one he, thing that he did that was really cool was he wore this shark tooth necklace. I noticed it's that literally yes. like a giant yes. shark tooth, and he was like, "Well, I, I thought it would be funny because you know your name is Sharky, isn't wearing a shark tooth." <laughs> Which I thought was like, oh, that's so cool. You know, like he thought it would be good for the character, but he thought like, oh, it's funny because your name's Sharky. Inside joke. Absolutely. (laughs) He's wearing a fantastic, like it was like a linen uh, leisure suit and like a Hawaiian shirt. And the shark, the shark, I noticed the shark tooth necklace. I I actually met Adam West once real briefly. isn't he nice? He, I mean, he, he was, so nice. he was awesome. It was early two thousands at a, a comic book convention in Novi, Michigan. And he was, he was literally All just, right. he was just walking the aisles. And I was like, I holy shit. It. And I went up to him. I was like, uh, hi, Mr. West, big fan. Can I take a picture? And he's like, yes, absolutely. Where's the camera? Like looking around for the camera. And then <laughs> we just smiled and took, and I was like, I had a big dumb grin on my face and I shook his hand and he went on his way. And I was like, shit, I got to meet Adam West. That, that was great. But wow. did he have any stories to tell? What did you get to hang out with him? What was he like? Any Batman stories? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I hung out with him. Uh, we had uh, breakfast together and, uh, and I, I kind of geeked out. I mean, there was one, it was one thing that he did is uh, he had these vitamins and he laid them out. And um, one was this big green one, you know, and he just when he right before he took it, he looked at me and totally seriously. He went, I call this one the Hulk. Yeah, I mean, I definitely did ask him about Batman and uh and yeah, we mostly talked about Burgess Meredith and, and Frank Gorshin. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I guess Frank Gorshin, uh, in terms of the villains, is the one who is his closest friend, you know. And uh, and Riddler. we talked about Family Guy, the Riddler. Yeah, yeah. and we and we talked about Burgess Meredith a lot, who he really had a great deal of respect for, who played the the Penguin. I mean, these are heavy hitters um, he on did, this ba- on this campy Batman show, like uh, you know, for the time. Yeah. Cesar Romero, Julie Newmar, Eartha Kitt, Burgess Meredith, Fred, like all these great actors in these ridiculous costumes saying these ridiculous things. Like what a wonderful show this was. Oh yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, he was telling me that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Frank Gorshin really got into it. He loved playing the Riddler, but he was saying that Burgess Meredith hated playing the penguin because he hated cigarette smoke and he had to <laughs> yeah. constantly yeah. have this like cigarette in his mouth on the show all the time. So he was constantly like coughing and everything. Oh, no. Um, it, yeah. And it, yeah. And it's, it's amazing. Like, you know, he was talk just talking about how much people, how much it means to him that people love the show and remember the show and, and want to meet him. And, and he really embraced it. I think there was a period of time when he got typecasted and he yeah. wanted to try to avoid that. 
you know, but, but it was great that he, he came back to like going, no, I am Batman. I'll always be Batman. I'm, and, and really being proud of it and, and, and embracing it. And he, he did something was, was amazing as he started a whole second career of being Adam West. Yes. Just like, like playing like, Oh, I'm this crazy guy, which he's not. I mean, obviously he's just like, I mean, he does, talk in that delivery, but he's a highly intelligent, <laughs> talented man. But the fact that he had that kind of sense of humor where it's like, no, I will do all these TV shows playing myself as a lunatic. basically. That's <laughs> one of my favorite things about him is that he did em- embrace it and, and he could celebrate it with the fans and there was enough time away from it where uh, he, yeah, he's just, he can just be cast as himself. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, we, there's the, he's still, we're still going to get to see him in, uh, that, the animated, that animated, uh, version, Batman 66, what's it called? Cape, the Cape Crusaders. Yeah. There's a sequel coming yeah. out and he'd already done all the recording for the sequel. So we got, yeah. I, I am so, I was so happy to hear that because when I remember when I heard about them doing it, I was just like, they, they got William Shatner to play Two-Face yes. and I was just like, for the sequel, okay, yeah. so you're going to have Adam West. You're gonna have Adam West and William Shatner together. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. Yeah, I always thought Adam West is just you know you do a slow William Shatner and you kind of get to Adam West. That's there was well they're the somewhere they're the, they're the, yeah. and it's funny because uh, Adam West even made a joke when we were with him. And he goes, he goes, did you hire me because William Shatner was busy? But he was like. He was very aware of the fact that him and Shatner are sort of like the two icons yeah. of the sixties yeah. that have like, they're the heroes with the crazy acting like delivery, yeah. you know, yeah. they, they both just do that. Like they, they just both have strange ways of talking that, that make them so great. It's like Christopher Walken. I was just thinking, I was know? just going like, to say that this is your Christopher Walken before Christopher Walken. Yeah. It's yeah. Like yeah. Pauses and more the, awkwardly. Yeah. No, seriously, and I, I was actually lucky enough to do a shoot with Christopher Walken once, and um, he talks like that, too. Like, he really talks like that <laughs> off camera. Like, that's how he really talks. <laughs> He's just like, wow, yeah. okay. So, like, I mean, even, like, when you're, like, hanging out with Adam West, even just when he orders breakfast, you're just like, well, I'll have the eggs, please. You're like, what? <laughs> Like everything he says sounds funny. Like this is what it would sound like if Batman ordered pancakes and eggs. This is crazy. (laughs) That's what it is. And it's funny because um, at the time I was obsessed with this pilot that he did that never got picked up called look well. Okay. Um, And it's, I swear to God, this thing is, it's gotta be on YouTube. There's like, it's gotten around everywhere, but it was written by Conan O'Brien and Robert Smigel. Oh, wow. And Adam, yeah, it's hilarious. And Adam West plays a guy who played um, a TV detective in the 70s uh, on this big cop show. And now he's like a has-been. But in the, in, in the 70s, he was given an, an official badge from the L.A. Police Department and and now he tries to actually solve crimes as an old man with this like honorary badge he's got, and and Sounds it's awesome. called yeah. Lookwell. Yeah, totally check it out. I kind of remember I, remember articles about it. The pilot aired in 1991 in the summer in a summer weekend time slot, but it never got picked up. But that sounds like a great it didn't role, and it's famous. 
it's famous for being like one of the funniest pilots that never got picked up. And so I brought it up to him when we were shooting and I said, I got to tell you, I love look well. And he instantly started going into these long monologues from look well. Like he remembered every line and he did a literal live performance of like his best monologues from look well for me. Wow. So (laughs) you can watch the, the whole pilot on YouTube. I will put a link in the show notes. I cannot wait to watch this because I mean, Conan O'Brien was, was writing the Simpsons probably at the time. And, and those, those episodes are the best Simpsons episodes. Robert Smigel. What a great creative team. Oh man. I wish there was an alternate universe where this fucking thing got picked up. Sounds amazing. It, it is so funny. And he even told me, he was like, it's one of his favorite things that he's ever done. And that he, that's why he's still like years, years later, he still remembered all the dialogue from it by heart that's amazing. because he liked it that much. You know? So on set, what were other people's reactions to Adam West? Like the cast is kind of young. I'm sure they all, they were aware of him. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, well, it's interesting too, because, um, you know, a lot of them were more aware of him from Family Guy ah, than yes. yeah. from Batman. Um, luckily now, you know, because they've, they're releasing all these new toys from the original Batman series, and there was, uh, and they finally put out the, the Blu-ray of uh, the Batman series because you couldn't get them forever. So at the time, it was still one of those things where Batman uh, wasn't getting shown a lot because there was still that big legal dispute and they couldn't release it, you know, in in a lot of ways. Um, So a lot of people knew him more from Family Guy, uh, but there were also definitely people who who made me feel old when they were like, oh yeah, I grew up on the Batman reruns on Nickelodeon in the 90s, you know? (laughs) And... (laughs) Because uh, back in the day when they released the uh, Tim Burton movies, they re-released all the original Batman shows on Nickelodeon. They were airing them all the time to cash in on the success of the of the Tim Burton Batman movies. So there were people who who actually grew up on it, watching it on on Nickelodeon, and and yeah, I mean it was great. I mean it, it was it was a young cast. I mean I was I was. I, I brought in some veterans. Uh, I brought in um, Davy Jones from the Monkees. Uh, yeah, who does that? The the, that's amazing yeah. to the to the film. Yeah, and and that was another thing I loved from the sixties was the Monkees. And uh, we had Annie Golden from who's on Orange Is the New Black, and she's like a character actor who's been in a ton of movies. Um, and she and she had a, a nice cameo in it. But yeah, most of the actors were young, and they were and. And they were great. I mean, considering that, you know, the, a lot of them, this is, you know, maybe one of the first things they'd done or, or they had done some other stuff, but this is like their chance to be in a feature film and a, in a in bigger part and everything. And, and, you know, when you see someone like Adam West on set, there's obviously there's a respect and there's just a, an admiration of like, wow, you, you're a pop culture icon. You're one of the people who's, made it in this industry, you know, it's, 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 it's inspiring, you know? I mean, I, I, I definitely feel like so honored that he, he was in the movie because it was my first feature film. And, and honestly, you know, when you make your first feature film, you shouldn't be able to work with somebody like an Adam West, you know, because 
your first movie. Yeah, the amazing you know? thing about this is this is your first movie. You got a, a poster by Drew Struzan, opening song by yeah. Davy Jones and Adam West in the movie right out the bat. That's yeah. that's uh that's pretty good for the first movie there. I don't think a lot of people can say that. Well, well and that and that was the thing that uh that actually got me connected to Drew. That was another thing where I I cold called Drew. And I just told him what a fan I was of his and his art. And I literally like begged him to do a poster for the movie. Cause I just told him, I, I was like, man, I had your, I had your back to the future poster hanging on my wall. I had, you know, the fucking temple of doom on my wall. I had all, all your posters. And I told him my dream was to always make a movie and to have you do a poster. And this might be the only movie I ever make. And, and somehow that, that he was touched by it. And he, and he actually, in that conversation, said, okay, I'll do your poster. And, I, and I'll never forget the thing that he said after that. He goes, but it's, you're going to have to wait like a month or so because I'm busy doing the Indiana Jones poster right now. <laughs> oh, he Jesus doing Christ. The one for, yeah. Yeah, he was I'm sure I can for, wait uh, for that. Crystal yes. skull. <laughs> yeah. You're like, take your time. That's, that's fine. Yes. Yeah, but that started a whole friendship with Drew, you know. That's amazing. Uh yeah, yeah, and uh, so that's what led into doing the documentary about him. And I, I also got a shout out somebody from Pratt that uh, we went to school with, uh, uh, Greg Boaz. Oh, yes. He, uh, he shot and edited yes. uh, Sexina, and he also uh, was the co-cinematographer and co-editor of the Drew Struzan documentary. So Whoa. another Pratt alum yeah. has uh, been a great uh help to me in my movies listen and, boaz uh, has and, probably the best line for me in the whole movie first of all yeah Ru- he kind of steals the movie yes yes <laughs> rugs this what? is what happens yeah. there sexina is shooting a music video and it's just a shitty like backdrop that like of a beach <laughs> she's there dancing and there's a guy dressed as jesus wearing nothing but an american flag thong with a little beach shovel <laughs> dancing and she's like whoa she's like whoa 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 cut he's like what is this she goes he goes it's it's rapping jesus she's like what he goes it's it's rapping jesus and he raps for her and she she leaves and he and then he says the best line of the movie he goes i'm jesus christ bitch it's so good now i gotta see this it's so dude it's It's great because first of all greg greg has great dance moves i mean even at pratt at all the parties he would rock the best dance moves, and I give him credit, man. That guy had guts because he's literally got a little thong on. Yes, he's not wearing anything but a thong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it is an American flag thong, so it's like on his balls. Where, where are the stars <laughs> on his on his balls? Or <laughs> on his balls, but he's got like this big ball sack. <laughs> but this guy was like. He was down for it. Greg was like, that, that's the part he chose. I was like, do you want to play something in a movie? And he's like, I want to play rapping Jesus. He wanted to be chosen. That's fantastic. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You got to love Boaz. You know who else I like? The guy who, who was the guy, the, the group that opened for her at the high school, that bl- the blonde fucking douche guy singing. Oh my God. That's Greg's real brother oh i couldn't figure it out i was like is that greg again because that guy has some dance moves holy shit he is like who's that band that's saying i'm too sexy for your shirt what was their name uh right said fred Fred. he is like a douchier right said fred it's so fucking funny his whole routine 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he he really does pop songs, and I, I, it was funny because me and uh, Greg worked on uh, one of his music videos at Pratt. You know, because he went to Pratt too, but he was in computer graphics. Oh. Uh, but he would always do these pop songs, and so we we, we need an opening act for sex. You know, it's like you gotta get your brother out, <laughs> and he had a song ready to go, so it was great. We didn't have to like record a song for him because he already had this new song that he had done, and uh, and he went for it. Oh, it's man. so good! I mean, he's so all good. out. He's- <laughs> dancing his ass off you know that's another great thing about this movie man it's it's well shot it's well edited but you you have musical numbers you guys wrote original lots of songs for this movie and how much fun was it shooting like the musical numbers oh it it was really fun i mean first of all i never thought in my life i would co-write a davy jones song so that's awesome like that was incredible and the fact that I, it was kind of like with Adam West. I mean, I wrote this one line in, in the song that Davy Jones uh, sings. It goes, she has the boobs and the brains of a queen. I was like, this line is so stupid, you know? <laughs> and he was like saying it with gusto, you know? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and he had, he had a great sense of humor, but then, yeah, I, I, Dominic Mack, who is the composer for the film, wrote all this great uh, music. And I, I would write all these just dumb lyrics because I was, I'm trying to spoof pop songs. And and one of the things they all have in common is just like these very sort of just very basic, silly cliche rhymes. You know what I mean? And so like, uh, I wrote this song, uh, there's no stopping two girls shopping (laughs) and it goes over an eighties shopping montage. And it's like the tackiest, 80s pop song you know but that that was that was really fun you know and it's it's weird because it's like in order the easy thing to do is make a movie like being cynical and going hey this sucks you know but in a way writing all these cheesy pop songs made me actually really appreciate cheesy pop songs and so it became like really fun and infectious you know the title of the the robot boys band song is hilarious it's called you plus me equals we that's a fucking great title (laughs) after these messages we'll be right back trivia geeks the unpredictable game show podcast is back with a brand new season They've got a new host, new games, and a new day and time. But that's not all. Now you can download their companion app, Triv Now, and play along in real time. Watch Carrie on YouTube as she tries to convince her partner that his dark night hasn't risen in years. Listen on Diamond Club and Alpha Geek Radio, Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Twitter and get all the latest updates and showtimes. of monstrous machines and greedy corporations. In a world of automatons and dirigibles and faster-than-sound sky trains. In a time out of time where the Americas weathered multiple civil wars, where armies continue to watch from the brink of the next conflict. It is a reality where witches and ghouls live among thinking machines and walking machines that resemble humans. It's a role-playing game. It's a dramatic radio adventure. It's a comedy. 
It's the Steamrollers Adventure Podcast, available on iTunes or at rigstories.com. Do you like video games? Do you like comics? Do you like movies? I'm Ellie. I'm Zinger, and we're the host of Zing This Podcast. We discuss nerdy topics every week on our podcast. What are some of the best ways to find our podcast, Ellie? You can search us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And don't forget, that's Z-E-N-G. This. We hope to see you guys there. Every week, we have new nerdy topics. Yay. The Jock and Ned Podcast. I got a question about like how this all coalesced. So like you're like it's a, you're like uh you you've been out of college, you were working in the industry, and all of a sudden you're like, I want to make my own movie. Is that what happened? Or you you had you had a script that you wrote, or how did this all come to be that you you know basically made this movie out of love for the for kind of the B movie theme or, yeah, well, or genre? How did that happen? Well it's interesting because like Growing up, I always loved, like, you know, obviously, like, the big movies like Star Wars and Indiana Jones and Superman, and that that was all the stuff I loved in my childhood. But, you know, realistically, I was like, I never thought I could get to direct a movie like that because I was like, you need a major studio, you need millions and millions of dollars, and, like, how am I going to get to do that, you know? So... But but luckily, growing up in New York City, I grew up at the tail end of what they would call grindhouses on 42nd Street. Ah, it's yes. just like a row of just movie theaters to show double bills of like really like crazy low budget movies. And when I used to see those movies, you could see all the flaws. Like you could see like, okay, they don't have the greatest actors and like they have the special effects are bad and, you know, they have the cheesy soundtrack and everything. And, I, and, and as a kid, I used to go... I bet I can make one of these movies. Like this seems more like tangible to make like a cheesy low budget movie. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and not only that, but I like those movies. I, I like cheesy low budget movies. Um, oh yeah. They're great. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. So, so at some point, you know, I, I think I was like in my, God, I think I was like maybe in my mid thirties when I made Sexina, maybe mid to late thirties, but but I was hitting a point where I was like, man, I've always dreamed of making a movie uh, and I still haven't done it. And I kind of felt this ticking clock of like, you can't just keep putting this stuff off forever because time will catch up with you, you know? Um, and so I was just like, all right, I'm just going to bite the bullet and do it. I'm going to write a really stupid little movie. I'm going to get my friends together. I'm going to max out credit cards. I'm going to just like hustle to get this thing done. And, and it, and when you're excited about something, it, it starts like a chain reaction. I mean, I'm very grateful to Greg because Greg was the, the person who was like, I'll make this movie with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and so when you have somebody that you really trust and who's a really good friend, it's like, they'll go to the mat for you and be like, Oh, I'll shoot this thing. I'll edit this thing. Well, then you got somebody right there. And then I met a producer who was like, Oh, I, he had made a couple features and he wanted to make another one. And he was willing to take, you know, he was willing to get on board because he thought the script was really silly. I mean, I think that shocked me was how many people wanted to work on the movie because they liked the script. And, mm-hmm. and I, I always thought that, that the script being so stupid and, and silly 
especially in New York where everything, the, so much of the New York film scene is like, you know, kind of highbrow art film, yep, you yep. know, I thought people would be like, I don't want to work on this silly, stupid thing, but it was just the opposite. People really were like, I want to work on something, something fun and campy, you know? And then, and then it just kind of snowballed. And then like, before I knew it, we had Adam West in the movie. And then I felt like, Oh my God, we have like a bona fide celebrity. Yeah, it's a real movie, thing now. You know? the, the thing that's crazy about this whole, like this whole thing is that, you at one point said to yourself, okay, I got to fucking make a movie. And then you sat yeah. down and you, yeah. you had an idea for a movie. And then people like, I like this idea. I want to get on board and I want to, I want to help you make this movie. And you had people that got it and were, that liked the script and responded to you and they, everything kind of coalesced. So that idea that you had that, that of to do Sexina, like that was, you could have had any idea. And it probably, if it wasn't good, no one would have kind of went for it with you, but you had this idea that people liked and that people are on board with. So that, that, that's like a shot of lightning right there. Yeah, it really is. Like, I mean, I think you can make, I would love to see another sex scene, a movie, like uh, what else happens? Like there's, there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of character and heart in these characters for like this B movie. Yeah. Because I, I wanted it to be fun. And I actually like, I, I really do care about what I'm doing. And, and, and you can always see the difference. Like, the great B movies are the ones where like a filmmaker went, all right, I don't have a lot of money, but I love what I do. And I'm going to try to do, make the best movie possible. And people are excited. And you can always tell a difference between those films and, and movies that are just like trying to be like some cheap cash in on something. And yep, they don't really yep, care. Yep, yep. You know, like, um, so it, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, we're, we all want to have fun and we all want to laugh. And we did like every day we were cracking up. We were like, we like this silly family and that, and that's, that's, that's what makes it so much fun. And I, and I do think that like shows up in the movie and, and, and luckily because it's a B movie, even the shortcomings become charming because I, I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was, I was green, you know what I Would mean? Would you do it again? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, that's the thing. Even like when I did the Drew movie, I mean, I had never made a documentary feature yeah. before. And then, you know, Drew literally drops on me. Oh, George Lucas wants to be in the movie. You got to shoot him in two weeks. That's like literally two weeks from asking him to do it. I'm, I'm at Skywalker Ranch and at ILM with George Lucas, so you know, crazy. filming with him. Yeah. And, you, and, and, and you, all of a sudden it's like, you got to do it. It's like sink or, sink or swim, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm finally getting my feet now where I'm like, all right, I've made three films and I feel I I'm getting better with each film. So, um, but I, I always, I, you know, I honestly think that it, being green is the only way to not be green is to jump in and do it. That's yeah. the only way, you know, what I mean? and you figure it out as, 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 as it's going along, you know, I've so, seen wow. all of your movies and I love them all. Uh, did, <laughs> did you, uh, did you keep in touch Thanks. with Adam West after, the movie wrapped. We had uh, one phone call afterwards and, and you know, it's one of those things where, and I remember because I, I, I was, one of the things he said to me that I was really moved by was he was like, you know, you remind me a lot of Conan O'Brien. I oh, bet wow. you guys would get along. You have like really similar sense of humor, wow. you know? And I was like, wow, that is so kind of him. And, and it, you know, it's interesting how time works because, there's a lot of times like I do panels at the different comic cons or like San Diego and New York comic con and stuff. And, and there were times where Adam West would be at the same convention or times where it's like, Oh, there's some, 
there's like some event I'm going to be at Adam West is going to be there. And it's like, we just never cross paths again. Oh, wow. and, and it's unfortunate because I kept thinking, even though he was old, he was so youthful and he worked so much. He was always at conventions. He was always shooting guest spots on TV shows and stuff. So he was, he was constantly working and I kind of just thought, Oh, he'll be around for longer. Yeah. Like I, 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 at some point I'll bump into him again and we'll, and we'll talk. I mean, and, uh, and I'm really bummed that that never happened. Cause you know, a couple of years ago, a friend of mine interviewed him and, um, and he, and he actually brought up Sexina and he had nice things to say about me and nice oh. things to say about working on the movie. And I was like, Oh man, like that, like that is so cool. And it's just like, it's it's just a real bummer because you never know like when when people are gonna not be here anymore, yeah, yeah. you know? Because that even though he was old, that that caught me totally off guard because he was literally. And this bums me out too. Is I have a friend who throws a convention in Connecticut, and Adam West was supposed to appear at it. Oh wow! And that was going to be me seeing Adam West again. It was oh, going to be in August, so I was oh, supposed man. to see him that in August. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, man, it like he, he's gone. And, it, yeah. and like, it was like, you're know, like a Batman I, is dead. It's kind of like a president. Like we, we lost a living Batman. Yeah, it is. And it, and it's interesting. Cause I, um, I have a, a friend of mine, his name is uh, Frank Dietz and he's an, he's an actor, he's an animator, but he actually co-starred with Adam West in a, in a, in a, in a cult movie called zombie nightmare. And uh, this movie became famous because they, they, it was on Mystery Science 3000, so they made fun of it on, on Mystery Science 3000, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and we, we would talk about Adam West all the time because Adam West stayed in touch with him, and they became friends after this, this movie that is this, like, wow. really bad horror movie. But it's, it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. I mean, that's why they picked it for Mystery Science 3000. But, you know, it was so great to hear, like, wow, like, Adam West stayed friends with you after doing this movie. And, and he, you know, and he would have the nicest things to say about Adam West. Like, every time they'd see each other at a convention, how warm he'd be to him, or they'd go out to dinner and stuff. And, and I've met other people that have worked with him, you know, from, from doing, you know, other people I know that work in animation that he does voice stuff for. And I've never heard anybody say one bad thing about him, like in terms of ever losing his cool or being hard to work with, or like, he's just like, he gave it his all and he was there to like, you know, to, to make it fun. And, and he was, and he, and he, he was nice to everybody on the crew, man. Like everybody, like he, cause you know, after, after we wrapped with him, everybody wanted a picture with him and he took pictures with everybody and he talked to everybody, you know I mean? It's, that's like, a, that's like a, just a good person. Yeah. It's, you know it's I mean? great to hear that. Like, you know, sometimes you find out the people you admire and you find out that they're just fucking assholes and it yeah. shatters your whole, like, childhood it perception a lot. yeah so this it's a very uh you know rare occurrences where he it's a good it really is a good guy and that's all that's all i've been reading from people ever since he passed that how a nice guy and it's great it's great to hear that and uh he yeah he will be missed he did a lot of good rugs you got a question oh, definitely um, I did, but I forgot it. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, that, ha that happens to me all the time. <laughs> but isn't it great that they're like celebrating Adam West so much? Like they did that thing in LA where yes. they shine the bat symbol. And I was like, this is fantastic. I, they're going to honor him at San Diego comic-con. And I, it's, it's just, it's, 
so great, this like outpouring of like love for him. Cause you know, there was a period of time where like hardcore comic book snobs would be like really down on the Batman yes. TV show yes. because it was so campy and yes. stuff. But it feels like everyone's, even they have come around and be like, nah, that Batman TV show is awesome. Like I, you know, you can't deny it. Yeah. You know? The thing about it is you can yeah. sit any five-year-old in front of that show and then they're going to love it. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't yeah. matter how old the show is. It still works. Yeah. Right? It's they're still gonna got that it. fun factor yeah. to yeah. it. It's uh, to me like you can watch it as two different shows. Like you watch it as a kid and you're like, I yeah. love this. This is completely serious. And then you grow up and you're <laughs> like, these people are saying ridiculous things and ridiculous costumes. And it's still. Oh, my great. God. Yeah. I caught an episode not that long ago where he's uh, Batman's talking about the Catwoman, the Robin. And he's like, oh, she gives me stirrings in my utility belt, you know? <laughs> and then, right? And then he looks at Robin and goes, you'll know more about that when you're older. And it's like, wow. like what? This kid's already 17 years old. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's well, like the silliest shit. But it, you're right. When you're a kid, you're just like, well, that's Batman. He's, he's the hero of the day. You know, you don't, you don't look into Well, that's the thing. That when I was a kid, I didn't know anything about Batman. Right. So it's like the show was Batman. But then yeah. when I started reading comic yeah. books, I was like, oh, that's not really Batman. But like, but like, uh, for, for a long time, that was Batman. So yeah, it's a weird and thing. It revitalized, it revitalized the comic for a long time. I mean, I mean, and that, and that's the thing, like, yeah, his version is the, the fun version for kids. And then you have, you know, the Frank Miller stuff and you have the, the Christopher Nolan movies, which is, uh, you know, the, where you, the character is grounded and, and is more in reality and taken seriously. And I think what's, what's good now that we have those Christopher Nolan movies is it's okay to have that spectrum. It's yeah. like Batman could yep. be the good guy that's meant for little kids. And Batman could also be the, the serious vigilante that's for an older audience too. You, you know, know and, and in, all of that. In their defense, the producers, if they, you know, in the sixties, if you picked up a Batman comic book, it was campy. It was crazy setups and amazing props and gags and, you know, word balloons on the cover. And it wasn't until like the seventies yeah. that it started to get a little more serious, but that was it, that campy Batman stuck out and, and got uh, immortalized on the screen. Even, even as serious as, as like Batman was in the detective comics from the beginning in the original comic in the, in the Batcave, you had a Tyrannosaurus Rex yeah. and a, giant penny 10 stories high yep i mean that's like some goofy shit you know <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> this is all true this is all true so man i can't thank you enough for 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 sharing your adam west memories because uh i really like uh, like you said it came out of nowhere and i was like i really i wanted to hear oh. some uh rugs yeah you got a question i yeah i remembered my question okay good I was like, sure, awesome. So you shot Adam West. No, I mean, not with a gun, with mm -hmm. a film, with the film thing. <laughs> yeah. So do you have stuff. like a gag reel of all crazy shit that Adam West said Whoa. that was not in the movie? Good question. Well, first of all, I videotaped uh, all that crazy shit. Uh, what's cool is that uh, on the DVD of Sex Scene and the special features, there is great behind the scenes stuff with Adam West. And we okay. do show some of that improv and stuff. And, uh, and it's really funny because one of the things in the special features is he did this one take really, really well. And then I just, uh, you know, when you're in the recording booth, you have like the mic to go into the booth. And I just mic'd in and went, Pierre West. 
and he <laughs> instantly started laughing. He was like, "The Simpsons," you know, because yes. uh, that was his line on yeah. The Simpsons. But, but yeah, so I do. I have hours of that stuff. Wow. Uh, some of that, uh, some of that stuff is in the special features of the DVD for Sexina. Uh, which is really cool. How can people watch this? I mentioned you can rent it on YouTube. You can rent it on Google Play. Yep. You can rent it on Amazon yep. Video. What are the other ways you can watch this movie? The cool thing that I'm really excited about is uh, San Diego Comic-Con has now really embraced the movie, and it's on Comic-Con HQ, oh, which wow. is their streaming uh, awesome. channel. And, That's excellent. Uh, yeah, it's it's a cool service. I mean, uh, Mark Hamill has a show on there, and uh, Nathan Fillion has a show on there, and... Uh, and so you can stream it on Comic-Con HQ. Um, if you happen, if anybody happens to be in Iowa City, it's screening theatrically at a movie theater called Film Scene wow. on Wednesday, Wednesday, July 19th at 10 p.m. at Film Scene. It's part of their Grindhouse series. So they're showing all these like cheesy B-movies like uh, Switchblade Sisters and all this stuff. That's awesome. Uh, so they are... This theater is great because um, they, first of all, $3 Pabst Blue Ribbons, Tall Boys of Pabst Blue Ribbons, $2 popcorn, like any movie theater where Old you can get like prices. cheap and yeah. cheap popcorn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it, and they show like a lot of great new movies and they do these great like revivals and stuff. So um, Man, this it's is a film scene theater in Iowa City Iowa on City? July 19th. July 19th, this film yeah. has legs. Sharky, did you think 10 years ago when you make this that this fucking thing would be screening 10 years later still? Well, you know, you know what's, what's crazy is sometimes things take their time. It's interesting. When I, when I finished the movie and, uh, you know, when you finish a movie and you give it to a, a – we had a sales agency that rep the film, a really good one. Uh, but when we delivered the film and gave them everything – uh, literally a week later, the entire economy collapsed. <laughs> this was when the whole oh, no. Wall Street collapsed. Right. Okay. You know. Yeah. And and so for a while, like the movie was in limbo, and it was coming out in other countries. And it's one of those funny things where it was like a big hit in Asia, which always makes me laugh. You know, like it did great in Japan and in Taiwan and Thailand. Oh, they know? get this humor. Uh, they would eat, they they would love this because they you yeah. know we always say they like they enjoy kind of like your slapstick humor, but plays well internationally. They love big campy stuff yeah. because it's easy to read, even if you're from another country. Because because everything in this movie is so cheesily overacted and stuff, you know, that they pick up on all of that. Yeah. Uh, but for a, but for a while, you know, my friends would be like, when's Sexina coming out? And I'd be like, oh, it should be coming out soon. It should be coming out soon, <laughs> you know? Um, and then eventually, you know, we got picked up by this great uh, label called Wild Eye Releasing. I got to shout them out. Uh, Wild Eye Releasing is a great B-movie uh, uh, video label. They put out stuff like, Sharkenstein, oh. the shark exorcist. Oh, wow. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Shark exorcist. Yeah, they put out a lot. Yeah, the, yeah, they actually put out a movie about a guy who gets the devil out of sharks. Yeah, they put out cheesy stuff like Scream Park, starring the guy who plays Pinhead from Hellraiser. And so, uh, and so this this label, like the the, the guy who runs it, Rob, uh, is just like we just see eye to eye on B movies, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and he's done a really good job of getting it out there. You know, uh, for a long time, it, you know, you it was on FiOS where you could stream it on FiOS, and uh, and now it's on Comic Con HQ, and 
And it's finding an audience yep. over time because there are people, when I do conventions, most people who want to talk to me about Drew, the documentary, the Floyd documentary, but it, there's always those sporadic people who are like, I love Sexina. And I just like get so excited because I'm like, you, I, I instantly know that I like their sense of humor. Cause yeah. I'm like, if you'll love something as stupid as that, then, then I love you for that. Cause that's who it's <laughs> for. You know, <laughs> that's so that was my question. Like if you want, cause I want listeners to check this out, but it may not be for everyone is the thing, but I love yeah. this sense of humor. Like this stupid, absurdist comedy is great. Who would you recommend this to? Uh, basically, like I said, any, if you love like the Sharknado movies, yeah. or if you love like, you know, plan nine from outer space, or if you love the Batman TV series. Yeah. Like I love the Batman movie with Adam West where he has the shark repellent. Yes. I love that shit. Like that to me <laughs> is so funny, you know? So if you can get into that silly spirit of things, you know, I, I, or like, even if you love John Hughes movies, I mean, yeah. there's a big part of the movie where I'm like making fun of teen comedies. And yes. Stuff yeah. And there's, well, there's a little so, romance. Uh, did you throw a Dutch <laughs> angle? Did you throw a Dutch angle in any of these scenes? I can't remember. I, I, I think I'm in one scene. I did. I, I yeah. I, I did. I didn't go the full blown referencing it like like that. But I, I reference definitely the comedy and and the cheesy fighting and that kind of stuff. You know? Yeah. It's, no. It's it's a it's a fun movie. I I mean I had a blast with it. Like I said, get a bunch of buddies around, get some beers. Uh, you will have a blast yeah. watching this movie. It's it's one of those kinds of movies. Thanks, man. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Uh, and finally, Sharky, before we let you go, what's next for the Sharky? Can you talk about it? Uh, we'll see. You know, I mean, y- you never know. I mean, there's uh, there's lots of great people to make documentaries about. Uh, for right now, I'm, I'm writing for Huffington Post, which I, I really like. I, oh, uh, yes. Thank I you write for writing the blog post and- about uh, the 10 Geek Podcasts and putting us in there with, like, these crazy podcasts. That's another thing I can't thank yeah, you enough. Man. I totally forgot. That was an amazing thing when you're like, hey, I wrote a thing for the Huffington Post that I mentioned. I was like, what? And I, oh, it was great. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I know. I was pretty floored by that myself. Yeah, I, I even shouted you out, Rug Boy. I gave yes. you a shout out in the story. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I really like writing for Offing the Post. I like I like writing about pop culture stuff and geek stuff. And, um, and yeah, I mean, you know, you guys have a great podcast. So I definitely wanted to, to, to let people know and spread the word, you know. That was awesome. It's not, It's nice of you. So, look, listener proof. We didn't ask him to do that. I didn't pay anyone for placement <laughs> in Huffington Post. It was all no. organic. And I, I want to thank you, you personally. Are, thank you very yes. much. All right. Cool. Because I heard what you guys were saying. There were no blowjobs. <laughs> None of that went down. Oh, shit. Uh, they did look- not reach out to me in any way. I did it because I love the podcast. I wanted to write about it. Well, thanks so, for listening. If- I didn't even know you listened. That's crazy. No, I, we appreciate I, I you love, listening. I love podcasts. And you guys did a great job with Floyd. He was great on the show. Oh, I, I, I like listening to that, too. Yeah. So um, I could have talked so, to him for if hours. Any, anyone, if anyone wants to check out my Huffington Post stuff, it's just Eric Sharkey at HuffPost, and uh, you can see all my stories that I've written. They're all cataloged under my contributor page. So, you know, check out my uh, article. Let's uh, give out the final plugs. Uh, well, you talked about Sexina. What, where should the listener go to check out all your stuff? Uh, sure. Uh, Drew the Man Behind the Poster is now on Amazon Prime. Nice. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can check it out. Oh. It's still available on DVD and iTunes and pretty much everywhere. 
Floyd Norman, An Animated Life, about Disney legend Floyd Norman, the film I made with uh, Michael Fiore, is available on Netflix. Yes. So you can totally check it out on Netflix. Or if you want to get the Blu-ray with special features, and the Blu-ray features awesome Drew Strews and artwork on the cover, um, you can go to floydnormanmovie.com. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you can also check out uh, Saxena on Comic-Con HQ and or DVD. Listener, I recommend paying for this stuff. Don't be shitty and stream it for free. <laughs> we need to support independent filmmakers like Eric Sharkey. I appreciate that. And it's I appreciate and look, that. I, yeah. I understand <laughs> you're putting your money into this. It's very important to support the cause and not just because I could have I could have just watched the movie. But I was like, no, I'm going to rent it. And I want to give him my money directly. I appreciate that because, you know, streaming has made it really hard for yeah. filmmakers. Yes. Well, they're cracking down on it less. now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard because, you know, everyone, you know, streams this stuff for free. Or even if you, you have Netflix or, or Hulu or whatever, I mean, it's great because we do get paid for that. Yeah. yeah. But um, they, don't, they don't pay as much as the the glory days of VHS or DVD was where you really made your money. Uh, So yeah. So when you, when you actually do pay to rent, rent it or you buy a DVD that actually does go back to the filmmakers and, uh, and it really helps, you know? Yeah. The distribution market is so crazy now, I bet compared to what it used to be, you got, you're dealing with things you never had to, which is like, like TV isn't even TV anymore. It's it's a Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Google, like, what the fuck is going on? It's not just one thing. There's a huge change in in the wind right now, and it, it's good for people who make stuff. Um, they're starting to crack down on all of this pirating in in Europe right now in England. Yeah, they've mm. they've outlawed uh, pirating. Like, and if you upload anything to a server, they'll hit you. If you're using now, if you're using um, that Fire Stick or whatever you're using to get stream free stuff, they're just gonna start cracking down on stuff. So you won't even be able to download stuff. So you'll be even though it's. Yeah. So hopefully that helps like in the future when you make a movie, people you'll get that money back hopefully. And uh, this pirating will kind of cease to exist. Well, it's interesting because everyone's taking a hit. Even the major studios are are taking uh, hits, which is why they only want to put out big sort of tentpole movies Mm -hmm. where they go, okay, the movie is just one revenue stream for toys, for lunch boxes, for theme park rides, for, you know, where they can make money off of so many different things other than just the movie. Like star Wars will make a lot of money, but it, it, where the real money is for them is the merchandising. It's almost like a commercial for all those, for, for all the toys. Whereas back in the day, movies made a ton of movie. uh, I mean, movies made a ton of money in the theater because people went to the movies or they bought, you know, a VHS copy of it. And that was all massive profits, but that those profits, even with major studios are gone, but with independence, it's, it's really bad. I mean, those, those days where like Kevin Smith can make clerks and actually make money off a movie like clerks, yeah. are, is, are, they're pretty much gone. Well, that, yeah, know, I mean, and, and what I wanted to ask you as a, as a filmmaker, say there's a listener out there who wants to be a filmmaker who has uh, a vision who has original ideas and he's looking at this landscape of, 
you know, Lord and Miller get fired off Han Solo because it's not Star Warsy enough, and it's nothing but franchise yeah. tentpoles. Like, what is the path for a, a filmmaker with a vision these days? How do you? What do you do? I mean, that that's the the hard thing. I mean, I know a lot of people who work in the industry and in other facets, or whether it's like special effects, or they're composers, or you know, uh, or cinematographers. They they they're not directors, but they work on, on, on big movies. Some of them actually work their way up the old fashioned way. Uh, my friend Dean, uh, writes and directs the how to train your dragon movies. Oh, Those wow. Big blocks. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, uh, he did it the old fashioned way. Like he worked at Disney. He worked in the story department. He kept working his way up. He got to make a movie, uh, with his, uh, creative partner, Chris Sanders called Lilo and stitch that oh, got yeah. him, you know, to DreamWorks, and now and now he's a, a big director. So there is a way to work your way up through the the studio system. Um, even people like Kathleen Kennedy, who runs Lucasfilm, she's in charge of Star Wars. She oversees all of Star Wars. She started out as Steven Spielberg's assistant back wow. in the day, yeah. and she went from Steven Spielberg's assistant all the way to being one of the most powerful women in Hollywood. Um, so you you there is a way to work your way up, and and if, in terms of directing your own films. I mean, I say go for it. The one good thing is there's more distribution outlets out there than ever. Yep. So you can get your movies out there. You can get them seen where it's hard. It's because of that. It's harder to make money. Um, but if you love what you do and you want to make a movie, there are still those success stories of people who make a small movie and it's so good that it leads them to a career. I mean, you look at um, the guy who directed Jurassic World, uh, Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, I think yeah. that's how you say his name. He made a small movie, you know, an independent film, and it and and that literally led to him directing Jurassic World because it, people liked it so much. Same thing with the guy who just directed Rogue One. He made yep. this great small movie called uh, Monsters. Yep. It's fantastic. And that's a movie that's low budget. He, he was very smart about how he used his effects. You don't, you hardly ever see the monsters until the end, you know? So he, he, he was creative and the, the movie was so visually uh, amazing that, you know, he got the God, he got to direct Godzilla after that. So there is, I know it's crazy. Make, yeah. So it's, it's great. It's great that there, you, there is still the possibility of your film getting seen, breaking through all the other films, and, 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 and getting a great opportunity from it. I That's mean, great. you know, I mean, I, 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 it's, it's, I mean, it's happened to me on a much smaller scale, whereas every film leads me to getting to make another film. Yeah. It leads to the next project. Yeah. See, the exactly. thing is, exactly. I, I think that if it was a modified version of YouTube, that would be a, gr a great platform for people. Cause there's people like bat in the sun who do those like little, like comic book, characters versus each other like superman versus whatever and spider-man versus yeah and they're like they're like many little short films yeah. but they got to keep yeah. cranking them out to make money they yeah. can't they're, yeah. they're not getting enough ad revenue to like do one movie and then kind of reap the benefits of it they have to constantly be pumping stuff out it's hard too with that stuff because you know w when they do characters that are owned by other companies you know, a lot of times, you know, Lucasfilm's not going to let somebody make any real money off of something. That's, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, you know, no, yeah, they're not yeah. that are their own characters. Yeah. But what it can do, and I, I, I've, you know, this this does happen where fan art, if a fan is so talented that people from Lucasfilm 
we'll spot them out and go, you know what? We, we have something that you might be able to work on as a paid gig on something. That, that's another with, path. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so sometimes when you do these fan movies, you know, people, they're so good that people go, oh, why don't we, why don't you actually come in and work on a, on, on a Marvel thing? That's what happened to Bat in the Sun. The Valiant Comics actually hired them to actually do licensed stuff for them. So it's yeah, cool. That 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 definitely happens. I mean, the the number one thing is like you gotta love it, man. Yeah. Because if you're in it for money, you're gonna you know mo- most people are not gonna make you're not gonna be rich and famous for the most part. You know, for most people, the people who are amazing, they find their way and they they break through. Uh, but you got to do it cause you love it. So really, I always say, just do what you want to do. Just make the thing, just make the thing you want yeah. to make. Yeah. yeah. And you got to be open to whatever happens because it might get good distribution. It might get bad distribution. It might get no distribution, but making something's always better than not making something. It's, you know yeah, I mean? it's got to come from passion. And I think slowly, like, I think the audiences will want original content again. I think like you have examples like get out with Jordan Peele, uh, Edgar Wright's baby yeah. driver is doing really well. And, uh, these are, yeah, I want to see that. Yeah. That looks, I, that I looks great. I love Edgar Wright. I love Edgar Wright. And like, I think this will make people want more original content again, Instead of, you know, mixed in with all the, the tentpole franchises. There's going to be a fatigue. Yeah. The franchise fatigue started. Transformers did dog shit. And so, even China I mean, doesn't yeah. like Transformers anymore. This is how far yeah. we've gotten. Even the Chinese are like, ah, you know what? Fuck your Transformers. This shit sucks now. We didn't want a fifth movie. But it's a cycle. Yes. If you look yes. at the industry, you see that everything has cycles. And they cycle yeah. out. So we're, we might come into an upswing with some creativity soon. Something has to break through that's original. And then everyone's going to go, well, let's rip that off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but there's always that one thing that that one movie nobody saw coming that had like no expectations on the it. Matrix. Yeah. And everyone the Matrix did it. Yeah, Pulp like Fiction did it. That uh, Right after yeah, Pulp exactly. Fiction, everybody came out with nonlinear fucking movies thinking that was the big draw. Yes, exactly. Sense. Yeah. So something, something's got to break through that's like new and exciting because it's because movies, they cost so much money and there's such a big risk of losing money that they just want to go at name recognition for everything. That's why you see so many goddamn remakes because they know, oh, hopefully people see it because we don't have to tell people what it is. They already know what it is. Wasn't that the greatest thing is about is about the discovery of a new movie? Yes. Of discovering something new. No one wants to discover shit anymore. No, they don't have the time. But at the same time, don't get me wrong, I am very excited. We have a big budget Spider-Man movie opening tonight. Yeah. Uh that the War for Planet of the Apes. I'm excited for Thor for Justice League. Like uh, it's a, a golden age for comic book nerds. I never thought I'd be seeing all this shit on the big screen, but it, the bubble in the next That's few true. years is getting thin. Well, luckily, um, I mean, listen, uh, uh, Marvel has been really brilliant at, at making good movies that all work well off of each other. You know, so far, Lucasfilm is doing a really good job with the Star Wars movies. Um, so this is, a, I mean, you know, if somebody told me I was 12 years old, like, you're going to see all these Superman movies and new Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like, like, this is great. You know, um, but, uh, you know, yeah, my, my worry is like you were saying, it's like, if you get 
at some point, if you're getting like 50 Star Wars movies, at some point does it lose its, its, its excitement? Because it's like, oh, oh God, it's... here's the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> you know? I mean, right now, it's so exciting. Uh, I'm, gl- I'm glad that uh, I finally saw Wonder Woman, and I'm glad that DC finally has their first good movie. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it's a, it's because... a great movie. They finally got a formula right. Yeah. It's made more domestic. It's their like top-grossing domestic DCEU movie. Uh, and let's hope that this means that the, their future is a little bit better too. If they fucking yeah. learn I mean, a lesson. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman was great. It was really fun. It had a lot of heart. It had humor. The action scenes were there for a reason. Yep. You know, I mean, it, it, it was. It, and and what's great is it's a woman director. And the same thing, like you were saying, would get out. This is great. The fact that you have a black director who made a small horror movie that made over a hundred million dollars. Yeah means that there's that, that that there's gonna be more films from black directors, you know? It's great that there's a movie by a woman that that is now a mega blockbuster. Wonder Woman made more than Superman and Batman versus yep. Superman or Suicide yep. Squad. Petty, yep. You know? So so that's an exciting thing to look forward to with films is is more diversity and getting different voices out there. So there's you know? there's still hope out there. You know, you just gotta <laughs> you gotta weed through all the same samey bullshit. But yeah, I mean it's gonna be yeah. interesting the next couple of years as Marvel gets to their big, you know, Avengers it but look, here's what we're what Marvel will put sixty fucking superheroes in a movie. Let's try that. We haven't tried that before. It's gonna be amazing though, and I can't wait. Uh, Sharky, man, thank you for your time. Uh, this, this was so much fun catching up with you. Yeah, this was awesome. Thanks for having me. I hope listener check out all his movies and I, I wish you continued success and I can't wait to see what you make next. It was great talking to you, man. It was a good time. Hey, awesome. It was really fun. Thanks for having me guys. Man, another huge thanks to Eric Sharky. I can't thank him enough for sharing Adam West stories for getting us an interview with Floyd Dorman, for writing a blog post of Top 10 Geek Podcast for HuffPost and including us. What? Oh, shit. Geek Boner. Whoa. As you heard, we didn't ask him to do that. There were no blowjobs. It was all very consensual. This is great. <laughs> yeah, he's just a he's just a class act, that kid. He really is. And listener, if you want to hear a little more bonus conversation uh, that we had during the recording... Of course, we have a awesome fan club on Patreon. Just visit jockinerd.com slash Patreon and throw us a couple of bucks a month. You're going to get access to an RSS link that you can pop in your podcast app and you will have an exclusive Jock and Nerd feed, bonus episodes, initial reactions. Anthony just sent me his instant reaction to Spider-Man Homecoming. So that's going to be up on the Patreon. Uh, Rugs, when you watch the movie, you send me your reaction. My reaction to Spider-Man Homecoming will be on the Patreon and a little more bonus content with Sharky. Uh, Rugs, sell this Patreon. We need people to sign up. It's growing, and I love it, and we love your support. Listen, I love the Patreon because, first of all, there's so much shenanigans going on in the show that you don't get to hear. You Absolutely. get uh, we talk like after the show was over, like after we cover all the subjects about stuff that might not be on the show, but it's still interesting. If you want to know more about Imran or more about Rugboy or more about Anthony, no one wants to know more about. <laughs> I mean, actually, so do you this, even podcast? He did this, he, Anthony did this thing where he talked about hooking up with chicks in Vegas and going and getting bottle service, and it was actually really fun to listen to. So. If you like all the comic book stuff and the movie stuff, that's cool. But if you want all this other stuff that we talk about, it's even more, more like 
different facets of us that you don't get to see on the show. I know people I've heard uh, some of our listeners are fans of the banter. And just like Rug said, we get a little personal. You get to find out more about us. And there's more banter. There's always bonus content. And I didn't know what to do with it until we got this Patreon. And it's the perfect spot. Uh, there's like 11 hours of bonus material. And it's growing all the time. So check it out. Jockinner.com slash Patreon Rugs. Tell the listener where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at Really Rug Boy. You should get on that thing. Follow me on Twitter. Ask me questions. Maybe I'll actually put a question on the show or something. I got some back and forth with some people. And every time, once in a while, it leaks onto the show. If you want to make it onto the show, just start bullshitting with me on Twitter. For example, the recent tweet that uh, Dan Slott is not going to be on. He's leaving Spider-Man and Nick Spencer is going to be writing Spider-Man. Uh, quick thoughts on that, Ruggs? Anything's better than Dan Slott. Uh, oh, you that. Yeah. Will you start buying Spider-Man comics again now? Uh, I have no idea. I, you know what? I have to read some fucking comics. I got comics piled up to the ceiling right now that yeah. I haven't read. I'm way behind. So, bef- yeah, I'm way, way behind. I, it's weird because I want there to be a good new Spider-Man comic, but I feel like, as I said, they've already done everything, especially Dan Slott. He just tried to do everything that he could possibly do. So, I mean, like, there's nothing left. Yeah, he's out. Like, he's out of ideas. There is a good yeah. new Spider-Man book. I believe it's the one from Chip Zdarsky uh, that's called Spectacular Spider-Man. I've heard great yeah. things about that. I got to check that out. Maybe I'll pick that up. But um, I don't know. I don't have a lot of hope for getting the Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man series uh, again. There's just too many new characters. Like Dan Slott basically ruined the whole franchise. Oh, he's like. Shit. He introduced all this bullshit and like all of these other characters. Now they're going to always muck up. The, how do you how do you wipe the slate clean? And you retcon and, the retcon. Here's what I yeah. do like this legacy thing. They're going back to original numbering. So we're going to have Spider-Man issues in the 700s and the numbers will continue, which uh, I kind of like that. I liked when DC did it for Detective and Batman or an action so a little move back to the legacy, but I, dude, my, my pull list, I haven't been to the comic book store in months. They're probably really angry at me and wondering if I'm ever coming back. I got to go pick all that shit off and somehow get through it. Uh, but listener, thanks for checking us out. Thanks for hanging out. Of course. What do we tell everybody at the end of the show? Tell a friend, spread the geekery word of mouth. Force a friend, force, force a, friend. a friend, hold them yes. down. They'll and thank you later. They will hold them down and shove this into their ear holes. Word of mouth is the best way to spread the love of our podcast. And if you like it, get someone you think will like it, run up to them, give them one of these nerd, and then explain your insane rantings to them and get them to listen to the show. Yeah. Would it kill you to put it on Facebook and go, Hey, listen, this podcast is awesome. Listen to this. Listen, shit. You assholes are posting tweets uh, a million times a day. Tweet out one of our shows. Yeah, huh? Instead of your breakfast that you took a picture of. Nobody cares. Yeah. yeah. Replace that breakfast with a picture of Rug Boy and be like, this is the filthiest puppet. Check out his show. Uh, what it heard for a little love listener. No, you guys are great. I love the listeners. I love all the feedback. Keep it coming. Thanks for listening. My name is Imran. My name is the <laughs> He's the Rug Boy? <laughs> ah, fuck you. Did you just choke out of your tongue? Look, we'll hear you next time. See ya.
so used to not talking during that part. I know. <laughs> and I, like, when I, I'm like, oh, fuck, I have to say something. Sounds like you were saying rug boy in French. I was like, I'm a I think you choked, choked on your felt tongue. 